I love it all. I'm, I, I know there's a lot of people that, that downgrade it and, and say we've made, made it a materialistic situation. And, and we have. We have. There's no doubt about it. Our country has, has done that. And, but I, I just, I still, I like it. I like the lights. I like everything. Uh, it's one of my most favorite times of the year. And I, God began to speak to my heart this week about something that, that I think is really important to me. And I, I pray that it will be important to you too. And uh, I, I, know, I know this is probably one of the most famous stories if you ever... Uh, people are, sometimes they're creasters. You know, anybody know what a creaster is? Anybody in here know what a creaster is? That's the people that go to church at Christmas and Easter. Amen? Uh, and, and there are some people, they may not know nothing about the Bible, but they know about Easter and they know about Christmas. One, one or the other, uh, they, can, they, they know about the three kings or the three wise men. They know all about that stuff. But this is, this is a story that I want to share that I believe is really, really important today. Luke chapter number 2, and if you're there, say amen. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Because, because, there was no room for them in the inn. Say that last sentence with me. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Say it with me one more time, please. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Dear Heavenly Father, open our hearts. Open our eyes to see truth. Lord, and reveal to us what you want us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Very, very, very familiar story that we're looking at and studying today. Uh, One that that probably uh, more people on the earth know about than anything. Uh, But we know this this is taking place. God, how many of y'all know that God has a plan? It started way back in the, uh, the Old Testament, right in the very first book of the Bible, when God promised a Messiah, God promised a Deliverer. God said to Satan, listen buddy, the seed of the woman is going to bust your head. That's, that's, that's just basically a promise from God that he's going to send somebody to rescue his people. God knows there's a problem, but the Bible says before the foundations of the earth, Christ was already planned to be crucified. In other words, before the problem ever arose, God already had a prescription. Say amen right there. Well, through the way that everything took place, all of this was part of God's orchestrated plan. And we see them coming into Bethlehem, a little, a little bitty place here uh, that, that was on the way to Jerusalem. And, and, and we know that it was kind of like a holiday season. It wasn't Christmas, but it was, it was, it was the hustle and bustle. Everything was just like you see today. 
just like you see uh, in, in, in the shopping malls, just like you see at this time of the year, everybody has an agenda, everybody is in the hustle and bustle, everybody has got their things they've got to get done, and, and, and it's just one of those hectic times. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I hate that, I, I hate that. I'd rather have a root canal than go to Walmart today, say amen. But the hustle and bustle, we're so busy, we're so hectic, we've got to get all this stuff done, and, and we've got to get our taxes, we've got to get all the papers filed and all the papers filled, and here we go, we've got to make sure. And in all this hustle and bustle, Joseph and Mary come into town, and it is so crowded, it is so crowded, that there was no room in the inn, none whatsoever. You know, we see and we hear about, we hear about, uh, uh, these, these, and, and we we've seen it in plays and dramas where this mean, mean old innkeeper he is standing at the door and said, "Be gone! We have no room." And and and, and you know what? That's not even really biblical. If you really study the word, that's not that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say there was a mean a mean innkeeper. The Bible does not say that they were a uh, 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 cruel people. That did, it did not say that. It just says that they were relegated to this simply because there was no room. Now, you say, well, that is awful. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Uh, This is better than out in the cold. I put some some straw in the barrel for my my little seven-month-old coon dog out there and and uh, and uh, usually she's out on the end of the chain barking every breath and everything. But after I put that hay in there, I pulled it in the yard, and she wouldn't even come out. She said, "No, I believe I'm gonna stay in here." You, you know. Have... But this was the next best thing. No, it wasn't the end, but it was. It was. It was all we have left to offer. Are y'all with me right there? Now stay with me. I'm going somewhere. In other words, the inn is the best case scenario. The inn is the best that, that they could offer. The inn was the primary thing. That's where everyone had to be or wanted to be. But since there was no room for that, at, at least we have this. This is what we have left over. You're welcome to use this. You say, what What does that have to do with anything? In John chapter 1 it says, that Jesus came into his own, his own received him not. It also says, it also says that he came into his own and they knew him not. Now I wonder, I wonder, Brother Kendrick, do you reckon if that innkeeper, or if there was an innkeeper, if he knew that that was Emmanuel, if he would have known that that was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the incarnation of a holy God. I'm talking about the God who spoke this world into existence, said, let it be, and it was, and that was him sitting there. I reckon he could have found some room. I I do too, I agree. I agree. You say, but preacher, I still don't understand. What does that got to do with me? Okay. The end is your life. Jesus wants to come into your life. The end is the best case scenario. 
The end is the best you have to offer. The end is you giving your all to Him. But so many of us, including myself, we said, Lord, we don't really have enough. What's that say? Let's go back. Let's go back. Verse, uh, verse number 7. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. What is the reason? Because there was no... See, the end is your life. The end is the best you have. What God is desiring from you. But so many of us say, well, preacher, I got my schedule. Preacher, I have, I have so much on my agenda. I have, I have, Lord, I would give you priority in my life when it comes to things, but they're just, I, I, I've looked at my day planner and I found out there just isn't enough room. There just isn't enough room. And you know what the sad part is? You know what the sad part is? The innkeeper didn't know who he was. But we do. We do. We come this morning, and I was reading and I was praying and reading and praying, and said, God, what are you trying to tell us? Do you realize... Do you realize when we make no room for Him, and our schedules are so busy that, 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 that we give Him the second best. Now, this was, not, this was not the worst case scenario. This was not totally nothing. But this was just the second best. This was what was left over. This was the next best thing. And see, we ease our conscience because we're not kicking God out on the curb. We're not saying we don't have... Listen, we're not saying that, that, that we don't want God in our life. We haven't, we haven't stood up and said, I don't want to have anything to do with God. Uh, no, we want to go to heaven and we want God's favor and we want God's grace and God's hand on our life. But God, I don't have enough room for you. Will you take this, what I got left over? And God spoke to my heart. After it says there was no room in the end, the Bible says, and there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I feel a little God right there. Amen. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was with an angel a heavenly host. They were glorifying God and praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The Bible says when they went away, the shepherds said, hey, let's go see what this is all about. We've got to check this out. We need to see what's going on. We need to go and check this thing out. What in the world? And they run to him and they find the babe. Mary, Joseph, and the babe. And according to this, the last verse, it says, 
It says after they saw it, they went and told everybody. They told everybody what they heard. They told everybody what they saw. And then it says this. Then it says this. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. They left praising. They left glorifying God. They left worshiping Him. God spoke to my heart. He went to shepherds because they didn't have anything. Shepherds were the lowliest profession there was. Shepherds were the poorest people they were. They, it was, I mean, it was just like, it was what nobody wanted to do, but it was what only left to do if that's all you could do. Are y'all with me? Could it be that all of those people who had such busy schedules and such busy agendas that God could not reveal Himself to them? Maybe it was that God wanted to, but they had no... But He went to somebody who didn't have anything. And this is what God told me. When we have no room for Him, when our schedules and our agendas are so busy that we don't have time for God, and we don't put Him first place in our life, the very first place it will show up is in our worship. Because the very next thing that was said, that was it told the story about the shepherds who magnified and glorified God. Shepherds who were poor and lowly. Shepherds who had nothing. Shepherds who were the outcasts of society. Shepherds who had nothing to shout about. But when they came into the presence of the Messiah, they couldn't do anything but worship Him. We think we are, we are in a bad way because we can't buy the toys we want or we can't buy the presents we want or we don't have what we wish we had. Uh, but if we have a roof over our head and food in our belly and clothes on our back, we ought to be glorifying God for everything He's done for us. Man, I tell you, when we come here, we come here, our minds are so full we can't even worship. We can't even worship. What what are we here today for? Are we here to go to church? Are we here to have church? That's the problem. There's too many having church. And it's a routine. It's something that they just go through. It's something that they just fill in. and, And it's not something that's true and real to them. And we're wondering why people are going to hell. We're wondering why people are falling out of church like flies. Because I'm telling you, religion is empty. Religion will leave you without anything. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about a Messiah who came from heaven to, to save you and me from our sin. What did you come today to do? Did you come to worship? Did you come to give Him honor? Boy, I begin, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you can ask the choir. I shared with them some of the thoughts that God had put on my heart Wednesday and just cried like a baby. Because there's so many times I sat in that chair when we were supposed to be worshiping and I was thinking about what I'm going to preach. I'm thinking about, well, how's this, this problem with this family and how's, how's the situation over here and, 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 and what are we going to do about the finances and, and the economy's getting worse. What are we going, how are we going to pay the mortgage? And here I am. I have no room in my mind and my heart to worship because I'm too busy thinking about my problems. 
So many of us today can't worship. We have no room because of our problem. We have no room because all we can think about is what we're going to have to do tomorrow. We have no room because all we can think about is that child that's gotten ignorant on us and we don't know what we're going to do. Well, honey, I got news for you. There ain't nothing you can do about that know-how. But if you'll turn that over to God, there's something He can do about it. And God is saying this, I'm just so frustrated, preacher. I'm just so frustrated. Me too. I get like Martha. I am so busy trying to find what He wants me to do that He's sitting there shaking His head because He wants us at His feet like Mary. But I have relegated Him to here. I said, Lord, this, you know... And you know what? You can put good things in the way instead of the best things. You preach, I'm so frustrated. Well, it might be that you need to quit trying to do for God and just sit there at His feet a little while. I got an outline. I do. A good one. But I just don't, I don't think that's what God wants from us this morning. God is looking for people to worship Him. God is a spirit. Turn to John chapter 4. God is a spirit. We that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But one of the one of the key verses there in that chapter, in John chapter number 4, you got it? I want you to see this. It says uh, in verse 23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now watch this, watch this. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. What's that mean? That means when you got up in this cold Sunday morning, there was a father in heaven who was sitting on the edge of his throne looking for his children to worship him. He's looking for somebody to forget about their problems, to forget about their priorities, to forget about where they're going to eat right after church. To forget about everything but Him. Oh, I do that. I worship. I come. I put a tie on. I, I wear my body. Man, I don't care if you got a tie or not. That's not worship. That's not worship. You can't worship something till you love it. Well, what in the world? What in the world got them shepherds to worshiping? The Bible says they heard a message. That angel said, I bring you good tidings. Do you know what the word gospel means? It means good news. You know what calls into worship? I'm telling you, I, I, I'm telling you, this past, this past Wednesday, 
I was in my bathtub early in the morning. I was in four inches of water. And when God showed me this, I like to have drowned. Say amen. He said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. The word Savior means deliverer. There is a hero. There is somebody who is going to save the day. I love watching action movies when the hero comes and he shows up and he says, here I am to save the day. Amen. Jesus is that hero. Jesus is that Savior. This world needs to know that there is a deliverer. He can deliver you from your sins. He can deliver you from your addictions. He can deliver you from your problems. There's nothing impossible to Him. There's nothing He cannot do. There's no hill He can't get you over. There's no valley He can't get you through. We have a deliverer. That's good news. Give Him praise and glory this morning. They got excited. I have hope. They were under Roman rule. They were under Roman dictatorship. And there are people today that's under the dictatorship of of the devil and they need to know that they can be free. They can be free. They can be free. They don't have to live their life in misery. They don't have to live their life in despair. They don't have to live their life without hope anymore. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. They heard a message heard a message guaranteed deliverance and listen there's no message it's a message unless it directs you to God they said and this shall be a sign unto you you shall find the best you know what I hated going to church and the preacher preached me so far down in the carpet told me how sorry I was and low down and I already knew I was sorry and then left you there Jesus never corrected you without saying okay this is what you do about it In all the letters to the seven churches, he may have said, I have somewhat against thee because you left your first love. But he would also come after that and say, remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and return and do thy first works or else I will come quickly. He said, I'll tell you what to do about it. The greatest message on earth is the one that tells you how to get to Jesus. Listen, all through the New Testament, people were bringing people to Jesus. Philip told the eunuch, listen, when he was reading in the Bible, he said he preached in the same chapter, Jesus Christ. This world needs to know that there is a deliverer. This world needs to know that there is hope. Boy, if they ever hear a message, it'll change their life. We see the message that was proclaimed, but then we see the multitude's praise. I mean, I mean... This angel is delivering a message that says, and suddenly, there is a great exclamation here. And suddenly. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know. Y'all watch enough TV. Come on now. I mean, here we are hearing a message and, boom, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere. I've got a vivid imagination, I must say. I mean, here they are, they just show up, and son, they get down. They start praising God, they start shouting, they start glorifying God, and I mean, they just get a case of the can't help it. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? 
There is a witness. There is a recognition here. There is an excitement here. It wasn't the message that moved the shepherds. It was the multitude's praise. Here we come. We've got a crowd in this building. What if we'd all get as happy as them angels did? Hey, we're rooting on the home team. We're rooting on... Hey, hey, God just made a touchdown. And I can see them. I can see the angels. They know who the devil is. They know what the devil done. They know what his agenda was. And they knew that God had sent a deliverer. There is a hero. There is somebody who's going to make a difference. And they got so excited in heaven, they went to worshiping God. I believe... Well, I ain't going to go there. Hey, devil, we... Uh-huh, Amen. When's the last time you got so excited? So excited that God has saved your soul. Now, I'm not necessarily talking to the unbeliever here this morning. I'm talking to the believer who has been saved so long they've done got over it. Brother Scott was up in the, in the, in the, in the, 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 the leadership meeting and he was crying like a baby saying 10 years ago this week God saved me and he said I don't even know why he wanted me I was in drugs and alcohol and everything else and God came to me and saved me and now I'm preaching his gospel why would he have anything he was just so excited some of you have been saved way too long I said it you've been saved way too long you done forgot where you was you, forgot, you, 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 don't, you don't forgot the pit where God drug you out of. Some of us think we've been saints all our life. I got news for you. You ain't. The psalmist said, I waited patiently on the Lord and He inclined unto me and He heard my cry and He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Do you remember how horrible it was? It says, out of the miry clay. Miry clay is slippery. You can't get a foothold. You can't grasp. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't fix yourself. But somebody came where you was and pulled you out. You need to remember where you was when he found you. You need to remember the hangovers and headaches. You need to remember the heartbreaks. Listen, you need to remember what it was that you was so that one day you won't ever get over it. It won't never get used to you. It ought to be so fresh today that the day that you got saved, you just can't help it. you got to tell somebody. It was an example and encouragement. Maybe more people would get saved if God's people that's already saved would act like it. They didn't go to Jesus till the multitude was praising well, preacher, you need to preach a message. It wasn't a message that moved them. It was the praise that moved them. Yes, we're preaching messages. We're preaching the gospel message. We're preaching that Jesus saves. But maybe people are looking around and seeing what you got, and it ain't worth having. Maybe if God's people would look like they got something worth having... I've looked at some Christians and it looks like what well, they got's contagious. Bless God, we're fundamentalists and we're right with God. Okay. Most miserable looking people I've ever seen in my life. Have you ever went into a restaurant 
person was enjoying that food so good, you said, I want what he's got. You don't even know what it is, but it was sure doing something for him. I don't know what he's having, but I tell you what, give me a double portion, pile it on. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? And I tell you what, my dad got saved because of that kind of service. I asked dad, what did that preacher preach on when you was there? He said, I don't know. He just said, I wanted what they had. The preacher asked dad when he came down during the invitation, he said, what do you want? He said, whatever y'all got. He didn't know he'd never been to church in his life. All he saw was people that were excited, people that were happy, people that were worshiping, people that had made room for God. They were not afraid to let people know. What motivated the shepherds to worship? It was a message they heard, but that multitude that was praising. But I tell you what, what really made a difference What really motivated them to worship God was when they came into the Messiah's presence. When they came and they saw Him. You know what? Miss Miss Kathy O'Neill and Mr. Uh, Chris, are you in here somewhere? He's upstairs with the class, isn't he? They've been telling me about a place, an Italian place to eat. Telling me and telling me and telling me. And uh, and I'm kind of I'm kind of picky and 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 everything. And and have you ever have you ever had somebody build up something so much that when you tried it, it was like it was good, but it was built up so high. It just anybody with me? Well, we was down in Birmingham, and, and they said, well, this place, over. Well, let's just go on over here. Chris said, I'm buying. I said, I'm in. I love that guy. We sat down, and Miss O'Neill told me what to order. She said, Sirloin Marsala. I support to it. They came and he was sitting there. I cut it up. I just put the fork down. Miss O'Neill thought, oh, he don't like it. I looked at her, I said, that is the best meal. I, that, I'm going to have to ask the Lord to forgive me for what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> Our Father, which, you know, I just... You know, it's one thing to hear how good something is. It's one thing for people to tell you their experience with it. But until you cut that steak up and put that mushroom on top and slide that gravy down your gizzard, son. Yeah. <laughs> I'm preaching down your alley right now, ain't I? He's worshiping. Did y'all notice that right there? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can tell you about Jesus till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> but if you ever meet him, 
You know what they found when they got to the manger? The message was true. (laughs) The message was true. And if there was a real baby there, then maybe what they said about the baby is true. He's a deliverer. I know he don't look much sitting in a cow trough. But you know, where else would the Lamb of God be born? I want to tell you one little thing. You can't worship until you're in His presence. Now some of y'all been in church your whole life, and I'm sorry, but you've never worshipped. That is sometimes some of the most offensive things to hear. But you've always gone to church like Papa or Grandma. And you never knew what real worship was all about. We come and we think if we go through the routine and go through the... that we're worshiping. Let me tell you what true worship is. There was a woman. Simon, Simon was a... a critic of Christ. And he came and had Jesus come to his house, not because he wanted to be hospitable, not because he wanted to show hospitality, but because he wanted to really find out who was this guy all about. Jesus obliged him, came. He was there, and you got to understand, they didn't sit at tables in that day. They would recline in, in, in carpet-type form, and, and they would be reclined on the floor. And, and this woman, who the Bible says was a sinner, Her reputation was well known in the city. Well, as they were sitting down to dinner, according to the Word of God, she came up behind him, bringing an alabaster box. And and, and by the way, an alabaster box was very, very, very costly. I mean, it probably represented many, 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 many days of labor. Some say in a year or two, some even more than that. That's not important. Important is this, it was very important to her. It was very costly to her. It was very pricey to her. She came to offer that and and pour that upon Christ and show her worship. But when she got into His presence, the emotions took over. When she got into His presence, her tears began to fall off her face. And as the tears began to fall off her face, they would hit hit the Lord on His feet and she just got down and, 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 listen, washed His feet with her tears and began to kiss His feet. And worship Him. If you look up the word worship in the concordance, it means, and, you, and it gives us definition, as a dog would lick its master's hand. As that little dog, when you come into the room, or when you come into the yard, and, and you are the master, and it just can't help, and it's just running all over, they're so excited, and just wants to lick your hand, or kiss your hand. She was kissing the feet of Jesus. Simon, critic he was, thought in his mind, Thought in his mind, boy, if he was somebody, if he was really a prophet, he'd know who she was. He wouldn't even let her touch him. Boy, little did he know. Be careful what you're thinking around Jesus. Be careful what you think when you come in here. Preacher says something. Well, be careful. He's listening. He says, Simon, I got something to tell you, buddy. 
He said, if a man owed a great, great, great debt, and then a man owed a little debt, but this both of them were forgiven, who would love the most? Well, obviously the one with the great debt. He said, that's a good answer. Simon, I came into your house. You were responsible for showing hospitality. You were responsible for uh, offering and, and providing something to wash the feet. You were uh, responsible for showing affection. You were responsible for being a good host. Simon, you have done nothing. This woman whose sins were great. This woman, listen, who had a great reputation of, of wrongdoing. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. You know why? It, she wasn't doing that to be forgiven. She was doing that because she was forgiven. One day she was walking down the road and she heard those sweet words saying, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come unto me you hungry, I'm the bread of life. Come unto me all you that are thirsty, I am the living water. Come unto me that are dead in your life because I am the resurrection. And she believed in the Messiah. God changed her life. And when she got into His presence, she couldn't help it. Let me tell you another thing that crowds out worship, that we have no room for worship because of pride. You know what? When she got into his presence, she didn't care who was watching. She didn't care who was in the room. She didn't care whose mama was there or whose daddy was there. She didn't care what politician was there. All she cared about is she was in his presence and she wanted to show him how much she cared about him. Some of y'all wouldn't offer a holy grunt. You wouldn't raise your hand for nothing in the world. You wouldn't say amen. You wouldn't stand to your feet. But I'm telling you, one day I'm going to stand before a Creator who gave everything for me. One day I'm going to bow before Him and offer my praise unto Him. You better get some practice because it's coming. Oh, I don't like it loud. I don't like it loud. I don't like all this. This is just, this is just oh my goodness. Man, you're going to be out of place in heaven. Because everything I've read in the book of Revelation, and I'm going to teach that next month, uh, everything I've read is they're singing with a loud sound. Point is, point is, you going to make room for him today? Can you for about ten minutes, can you for about ten minutes, forget about yesterday, forget about tomorrow, but just ten minutes, five minutes, can you focus on nothing but Him? Can we for the next five minutes, can we for the next five minutes take Jesus out of here and put Him where He rightfully belongs? I want you all to stand with me just a minute. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Say, what is the heart of worship? 